Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast and for this episode we have with us Kritika Singhania who is currently the senior marketing manager at Find. Hi Kritika, thank you for joining us. Hi Archit, thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So just to make our listeners more familiar about you, could you please take us through your career journey so far? Sure thing. So I um started out with working as a intern at Ernst & Young. I did my articleship there for three and a half years alongside my BCom, CA, all of that jazz, right? Wasn't really for me, quit that, uh, was wondering what to do because it's really tough to sort of get out of that whole environment. And especially when you're not sure what you what's really your next step, right? So it took me a little while. I worked in between at a post-production company and I did the thing that most people do when they're a little bit clueless. I did an MBA and yeah, specialized in luxury brand management. I ended up uh, working at Find after my MBA um, in sales and business development. And about a year in uh, around 2020 is when the pandemic hit. And around that time, so at Find, we mostly work with retail brands. And at that time, of course, during the pandemic, there was a bit of a lull. And so I took the opportunity then to sort of start working, um, start uh, marketing division here for our omnichannel product line. Um, so yeah, so that's what I currently do. I head marketing for our omnichannel product line at Find. Amazing. So could you please tell our listeners about what does Find, Find do? Like, do you sure. own? Yeah. Uh, so Find is actually uh, more than a 10-year-old company. We started off in 2012. We've had a few pivots along the uh, years. Currently, we are we have about... 17 products in total. So we've grown quite a bit. Primarily though, some of the big ones are an omni-channel retail tech product suite, uh, which is the part that I look into. We also have digital asset management product suite. Uh, We're also into big data ops. Uh, We have a social gaming platform and a bunch of other things that are coming up. Uh, So yeah, so uh, find us basically a moving towards being a technology platform company that's what we do awesome so just what i'm really eager to ask right now is that luxury brand management is something that you know we don't get to hear that much i mean now obviously it's growing and people are going for it so what kind of like opportunities do you see rising up when somebody goes for like luxury brand management wow that's a loaded question and difficult one to answer right especially in india in a field like that, uh, you have to start from scratch. So when I say start from scratch, it means that you have to be that person who is uh, at the store associate level or what, or what is often known in the retail industry as a fashion consultant. So you are at the store, you are advising or customers or people who walk in your loyal uh, or customers on what could go with what or just you need to know your products, you need to be able to 
arrange your products, just be a, a retail employee, right? So that's the level that you start off at. And that's how you just grow up the ranks. And yeah, I mean, you can't generally in luxury brands, you don't really start off somewhere in mid-management, right? You have to start off from the floor. Yep. That's how it works. And I must say you've come a long way now. So I was just going through your LinkedIn and I got, and I was just reading your bio and I read that you your interest lies at the intersection of branding, luxury and sustainability. So sustainability is also sort of a buzzword today. So what are your views on this particular? Yeah, um, that's a little bit of an old, outdated bio, I must say. So I should remember to update that. But yeah, um, so during my MBA days, right, these were the sort of things that I was especially interested in. I was doing luxury brand management, sustainability because of um, just how much uh, waste we see around uh, everything that we do and not just in terms of environmental wastage but just sustainable businesses right uh, we also we've also been currently seeing how um, startups are looking at not just top line revenue uh, but we're all looking at profitability right how can we also grow into profitable businesses and that's such an important aspect uh, to make sure that the business is not just uh, the, the business can actually survive and make money. So yeah, so that's another important as uh, thing to look at when you look at sustainable businesses and branding. Yes, so anything to do with branding in terms of whether it's just uh, a, a brand is branding is basically storytelling, right? Um, and marketing at the any marketing at marketer at the end of the day will is attracted to that because of that whole aspect of storytelling. Yeah. What is what is it that uh, what is it that I can tie into my brand uh, to that bigger picture story? And so, yeah, that's basically why. Okay. So talking about sustainability, what we really see is that a lot of organizations just do it from the surface. And when we yeah. delve deep inside, there's hardly anything. I mean, I was talking yeah. to friends and he also works with like a fashion oriented firm and yeah. they were discussing how they can use leather. I mean, whatever waste leather that they generate yeah. that can be recycled and used for their more products. Yeah. So, and he also told me that there was a lot of reluctance when he, you know, put out this idea and trying to stop management yeah. that we want yeah. to do. So what are your views in it? I mean, obviously, companies yeah. are becoming more conscious these days. They are becoming yeah. more aware that environment yeah. needs to care about. What are your views when you see it from a very macro level? Um, so when I think of sustainability in the fashion industry specifically, right, there are a few things, right? One of the things is that it's a bit of an oxymoron, right? When we say sustainable, like selling sustainable products, the whole idea is to sell less and not more. A brand like Patagonia does this really well, right? When they say that we don't want you to buy our products, one. Two, if you're buying our products, we want you to repair, repair, repair. So come to us, we'll repair and fix it rather than buying more of our products, right? So that's one. Second, uh, the culture where we're trying to sort of shift and promote uh, buying sort of pre-loved products, that is somewhere where the aspect of sustainability really bring, uh, comes in. And that's why luxury and sustainability actually do match mm -hmm. because when you're buying something that is really high quality and can sort of last generations, it makes more sense to invest in that product or in that piece of piece of item which may be really high price because it's going to go down the line to your generation it's going to last you a very long time that's where the two luxury and sustainability sort of marry together and so 
your example where you said, you know, using waste leather products, that's a really good example of being sustainable, right? Making something out of waste, making something out of something that's already being used. So there is this whole uh, culture within uh, uh, an adjacent movement with sustainability, which is uh, using vegan organic products, right? Um, and there, there is a bit of a discord with sustainability, right? Because you're using plastic. Most of the time when you're talking about vegan leather, you're using something like plastic leather, right? And that is against that core belief of sustainability. When you're talking about maybe using something like fruit-based leather, or like something like banana leather, cactus leather, all of these things, it makes sense to go vegan leather. But when you're using plastic leather, which basically becomes like PVC and things like that, you're sort of misguiding or misleading the consumer right so all of these things i think there is these are buzzwords that are now just being sort of misused and there is a bit of bit more education that needs to come in so there is now awareness of a lot of these terms in terms of we need to be sustainable this is these are the options but a little bit more deep dive i think it will come with time as well we've gotten over the past what four five years we've gotten to a level where people are a bit more aware of like you know being using sort of being more aware of like say for example people have become a lot more open to buying thrifted products pre-loved products in the past few years right we see so many instagram resellers sort of selling these kind of things. So I think it's just a matter of time when, as you see the consumer demands shift, even the market will shift that supply and sort of take notice. So yeah, yeah I think I'm quite optimistic about it. So am I. So now we're going to talk about the other aspect of your work, which is dealing with people. And so what are some of the workplace changes which leaders will need to lead their organizations in order to be more agile? and future ready and future proof because we see the future of work to be obviously different than what it is today and agility happens to be a major part of it yeah um it's a tough question to sort of answer right because it's so difficult to sort of see what is going to happen in the future when we were like in 2020 2021 which is not that long ago at all we thought remote work is going to be the future absolutely like no doubt about it right everyone's going to be 100% remote etc cetera, etc cetera. people who are still maybe in the hybrid model were like why it's going to be 100% remote all of that we see just one to two years down the line most people are either moving into a hybrid model or maybe even like a like there's a much wider percentage of split between remote hybrid and full-time office work right as compared to what was expected back in 2020 2021 so i think whatever you sort of expect for the future agility is that key word there right uh you have to sort of just keep an eye on what's going on and sort of be be open to those changes so say for example at find we always had this work from home option even pre-pandemic Right. So it wasn't like you could work from home all days of the week, but there was this option that okay, if you ever need to avail of it, telling me you can do that. So when we moved to like when the pandemic hit and everybody just suddenly had to work from home twenty four seven, it wasn't that challenging because we already at least had the technological tools to move into that kind of a system, right? And those are the kind of things that at least uh, if those basic things are available to you, um, any sort of future challenges that may come our way we we are sort of prepared for it um so yeah that's one big example that i can think of that helped us be future proof yeah amazing so next thing that i'm going to talk about is 
social media because obviously that's another big thing that's happening right now and if you see the future of work i cannot see future of work without social media yeah. so the advent of social media do you think if you're running a business solely focusing on social media can really take you a long way or the traditional tools that we use are still going to be relevant i mean do we need to find a mix of it or how do you see it going hmm. so there's social media and then there's the metaverse that's coming there's just so many things that just going to get added up on one on top of the other right there are a lot of d2c businesses like direct to consumer businesses yeah. that are thriving and at find this is sort of close to what we do right we work with retail businesses primarily those with brick and mortar stores but we also do work with a lot of uh, d2c e-commerce built businesses right and a lot of them are very social media first businesses as well and here no matter what at the end of the day if you go to them they will all tell you that they all have to hustle in real life as well right yeah. word of mouth going and talking to their family their friends their neighbors going to events talking about their brand you still need to do all of that so these traditional forms of promoting your business do not go away yes they may you may think that oh social media is taking with wider and that's where all my business is coming from but you're forgetting that half of your business is probably coming from your own close network from who you know uh, and from their word of mouth and them spreading their the word uh, your word or your brand's uh, word right and all of that is because they know you personally or you spoken to them about it in some way or the other not just your friends and family but the vendors that you have the other partners that you're speaking to all of these things matter a lot and we can never forget the power of that network that we have um so yeah i think no matter how much our social channels or digital channels grow human connection that one on one human connection will we'll always still want that and that will continue to work alongside i totally agree so now i'm going to ask you a question like as a senior manager at fine what are some of the innovations that you trying to you try to you know take into the workplace environment you know to make it more relevant i mean obviously there are changes happening changes must be happening these are inevitable it must be happening at fine as well how do you as a cm manager make sure that people are you know have a sort of comfort zone they like what they're doing and they want they would want to come to work every morning so how as a cm manager do you manage people okay so the idea is to always make them feel comfortable and to want to work right but also to set expectations that this is what's required you can't always have new work every day let's be honest um even for me as a person i always am going to have a certain level of work that i have to do right there's always going to be routine tasks or things that i don't like to do and then there's always something new that i want to do so there's always that balance that you want to create for everybody that you're working with something so so the most important thing is to set expectations the right way right that this is what you have to do as long as you do this anything else that you want to do on top you you're free to do right or you're welcome to do uh, the other thing is to also be very transparent about what else is going on what else we are doing and to let people know that they're free to contribute to it even if that's not part of their sort of kras or kpis keeping that openness and helping team members sort of enable each other i think is a good way of not only 
helping them broaden their scope, but also to get fresher ideas from others um, into any sort of, say, for example, maybe you're participating in a new event. So to get fresh ideas for that event, uh, you're not just depending on the on the event coordinator, but also maybe the person who is looking at content or the person who is looking at social media. Um, so all of that kind of cross-collaboration if only will happen when everyone else is aware of what's, what else is going on. So that's yeah. one of the things. In terms of um, how else, yeah, I think that's all I have for now. Obviously, there are more to, like, it will keep on flowing as you know, it's like literally we cross the river when we reach this sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, certain things just come into your mind when yeah. certain situations come to the forefront. Yep. So my last question would be, keeping everything, your work aside, what are some of the non-work interest areas that keeps, that helps you distress yourself from work? I mean, that what is what are those things that keep Kritika going? Mm-hmm. Um, I think just the usual. I, I honestly need some time to myself after work every day, every weekend, just to sort of relax and declutter my mind, right? It's very important to me. So just some time by myself, meet up with a few of my friends, watch some TV, the usual, like nothing very special, honestly. That's just how I pass my time. That's very important. So thank you, Kritika, for joining us for this episode. And it was truly a pleasure to have you. We had a great session talking to you. So thank you. And I hope you liked it too. Thank you so much, Arshad, for having me. I hope um, you got something out of it. And uh, yeah, I, I hope that you are able to figure out what you want to do as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's keep connected. Yeah, definitely. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode. And we get to see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye, everyone. <laughs>